I wonder if you could turn your Bibles um, to Matthew chapter 6. It's great to see you. Um, my name is John C. If we haven't met, um, Matthew chapter 6. It's on page 970. And let's, let's read verses 9 to 13 together. Let's read them out loud together. They're a prayer that Jesus gave us to pray, so let's use these words, say them together. Um, hopefully, if you've been here for the last few weeks, bits of this will say, oh yeah, I remember that and that. Um, and hopefully things will trigger as we go. And we're going to focus on verse 13 today. But let's read um, together from verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. If only they'd stayed awake. If only they hadn't fallen asleep, it would have been so different. If only they'd heard the warning and stayed awake, but they couldn't. They were too drowsy, they were tired, they were emotionally exhausted, and they just couldn't stay awake. So one by one, their heads nodded, their eyes closed, and they slept. If only they could have seen the danger that they were in. If only they could have seen the enemy that was prowling around. But they couldn't. One of them could. One of them. One of them stayed awake while all of his friends slept. It was in a garden. And it was the night before Jesus would go to a cross. And Jesus went to pray. And his friends all slept. And three times he said to them, wake up. You see, Jesus was so moved at his friends sleeping. He was so passionately concerned for his friends that he pleaded with them to wake up and pray. Three times he said to them, Watch out. Keep watch. Stay awake. Pray. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, or you will fall into temptation. You know what here? Jesus wasn't just saying to his friends, oh, come on, guys, can't you pray with me? Jesus was heartbroken for his friends because they couldn't see the danger they were in. So they didn't pray. And Jesus had already told his friends what they were supposed to pray. He told them it here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's what they should have been praying. But the night before Jesus went to a cross, they slept and they didn't pray. So they were completely unprepared for the battle that they were about to enter. And if you want a summary of what I think Jesus wants us to hear from this last line of this prayer. It's this. Please, wake up and pray. 
Don't sleepwalk your way through life. Don't sleepwalk your way through all sorts of dangers. You are in enormous danger. Wake up, Jesus says, and pray this prayer. Lead us not into temptation. And I think this is a powerful, weighty weapon that Jesus is putting into your hands this afternoon. And he says, I love you, my precious children. I love you so much. I'm going to give you the weapon that you need so that you will be safe. Here it is. Pray these words. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is the weapon that Jesus has chosen to give you so that you are ready to live for him and to fight the battle. That's serious, right? And that means that these are precious words for us. This is the end of this prayer as Matthew has it recorded. And we've seen that the prayer is split into two halves, three um, petitions about God, three requests about God, and three about ourselves. We pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It all starts with him. Let's not forget that as we pray as Globe Church. Let's never become so me-centered that our prayers become about me, me, me. It's him, 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 your name, your kingdom, your will. We love you. You're the best. You're the greatest. You're the one who's worthy. All about you. And as we pray, let's strike that note as loud as we can. Your name, your glory, your honour, your kingdom, your will, a passion for his name. But as we pray to our Father and pray for his glory, we then turn to our, look at ourselves and we say, we are empty and we need provision, we need food. And we need pardon because we're sinners and we need protection because we are very, very vulnerable. I wonder if you feel like you're in danger this afternoon. You probably don't, right? We probably didn't come to church this afternoon with that anxious feeling of insecurity, not feeling safe. But Jesus wants us to wake up and see the danger. We've got three big things we're going to see. Wake up and see the danger. That's the first big thing. The disciples sleep. They just don't see it. You see, if you, were, if you went camping somewhere, I mean, I realise that for some of you that would be like, why would I do that? Just pretend you like camping. Just thought experiment. All right? Camping, fun, joy, happiness. Sunshine, lovely. And you're relaxing around a fire and it's all wonderful. And you have these beautiful words and the birds are singing and it's beautiful and you sit there and you just doze off around the campfire. It's very relaxing. Imagine someone said to you, by the way, there is a lion in this wood. That would change your experience, right? I mean, probably. <laughs> because for, you would go from feeling in this place of warm, kind of halcyon, happiness, joy, to suddenly feeling, I feel profoundly unsafe. I'm in danger. I need to stay awake. And it all depends on how we see our lives. Do we see our lives as lovely and calm and serene and a few problems here and there, but basically okay? Or do we see that there is danger? That's what we need to do, first of all. Just do some work on what this 
dangerous. What does Jesus mean when he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one? Now, quite extraordinarily, this line of the prayer has been in the national press in the last two weeks. Have you seen this? It's been in the papers, it's been on the BBC, debate around what this means. Because the Pope um, has decreed that it should be changed. Because there's a danger of this being misleading. And the misleading thing is, and I, I think if I explain this, you'll see why it could be misleading. When we pray, lead us not to temptation, why would we pray that? Surely God doesn't do that, does he? God doesn't lead us into temptation, does he? So why would we pray, lead us not into temptation, if it's not something God's going to do anyway? Okay, let's do some careful thinking about what temptation is and how temptation works. I, I, I want us to just think carefully about this so that we can understand the danger that we're in so that we can really see why we have to pray this. Go back one page, uh, two pages, to chapter 4. And let's have a look at chapter 4, verse 1. So we're trying to understand it from Matthew's gospel. Matthew's written his gospel. He's not thick. He puts his gospel together in a certain way so that we can understand different um, themes and words. So let's look how careful he is in chapter 4, verse 1, and then you're going to answer the question about what this means. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay? So let's, let's uh, work this out. Jesus, here he is, led into the desert, tempted by, tempted by the devil. Right. Does God tempt people? Did, does God do any tempting here? We could be more confident than that? No, right? No. God does not tempt anyone. And in case you're in any doubt about that, in James, the book of James, it says, God does not tempt anyone, right? So, God is not sitting in heaven going, ooh, here's some cake. Do you want some? That's not what God is like. God is not trying to trip us up. God is not putting traps in our way. God is not some mean man who's trying to make things difficult for us. He's a loving, heavenly father. So let's get rid of any ideas that might think that God is out to trick us and to trap us. He's not an examiner, right, who puts trick questions in. That's just mean, right? I I think some examiners, if you could see into their psyche, there would be something slightly bizarre. Maybe I could twist this and make something and they could all get it wrong. (laughs) I'm sure they're not all like that. I think if I was an examiner, I might be like that. But God is not that. So God does not tempt. Therefore, it is never God's fault. You see, we want to blame God all the time when things go wrong. Well, it's your fault, right? I mean, you made me like this. You put this thing in my way. And we want to blame God and say, it's your fault. No, it's never God's fault. You cannot blame temptation on God. Got it? So is God uninvolved in the temptation of Jesus? Well, no, because in verse 1 it says Jesus is led by the Spirit. Jesus isn't in the wilderness, in the place of temptation, accidentally. Oh dear, how did I end up here? This is bad. Jesus is intentionally led by the Spirit of God to the place of temptation. 
Right. That is why I have this uh, visual aid for you all this afternoon. It's not a tree. It's a road. (laughs) This is exciting, isn't it, for everyone? You probably can't even see at the back. You're not missing anything. (laughs) Here is a road. Here is how I want us to talk and think about temptation this afternoon. Here we are walking along a road, straight road. Straight roads are great. You have no decisions to make, right? Follow this road. Great. I can do that. I'm just going to keep going. I don't have to to choose anything. I just keep going, 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 going. But then you get to a point where there's a fork in the road. And when you get to the fork in the road, now you have a choice to make. Right. Are you going to go the way of temptation or the way of righteousness? These are the two roads, okay? The way of temptation or the way of righteousness? Now, this point here, at the fork in the road, that is the point when you are tempted. Okay? So you come across a situation and you you get to this point, you think, ooh, that looks good. Should I go that way or should I do this? That is being tempted. Right, I want to make this as clear as I can to you. When you get to this point and you are tempted... You are not sinning. You have done nothing wrong when you get to this point and attempt it. Now you may say, really? Yes. You know how I know? Because Jesus got to this point. Jesus was tempted in every single way. So you get to the point of being tempted. And the question is... When you get to the temptation, it is a fork in the road. Will you take a step down the road of temptation or will you walk down the road of righteousness? You see, Jesus, when he was tempted, every single time he chose righteousness. But I think many, many Christians feel guilty because they even experience temptation. Many of us experience temptation. Perhaps it's sexual temptation and we feel guilty because we're tempted. It may be sexual temptation towards pornography or same-sex attraction or, or you're married and you fancy another woman. You, know, you get to this point, you think, I feel, so, I feel so guilty and ashamed because I'm tempted. No, no, no. To get here is not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, but was without sin. So I want to take this massive burden off some of you who feel guilty for even being tempted. No. The question is what happens when you get here. Now, now we need to do some thinking about this request that um, Jesus teaches us to pray. Come back to chapter 4, verse 13. Lead us not into temptation. Right. Okay, so here's the question. Is Jesus teaching us to pray? Um, Father, I don't, want, I, I don't want to go, I don't want to be here. Or is he teaching us to pray at the crossroads? Let me choose righteousness. Please let me choose righteousness. 
I do not believe that Jesus is teaching us to pray, please will I never ever experience temptation again. He's teaching us to pray that when we stand at the fork in the road and when we look at righteousness and we look at temptation, we cry to him and say, Father, please, not that way. Please take me that way. This is very important for us to understand. Now, at this point, we're still trying to see the danger. Oh, the screens have all gone. Um, At this point, we're, we're... still trying to understand what temptation is and how it works, and we're trying to understand um, the, the danger that we're in. So let's think a little bit more about this road, the road of temptation. See, the issue is when you get to here and you look at these two roads, it isn't that you look at them and you... I don't need too much change, doesn't really matter. And you look at these two roads, it isn't that they're kind of both equally... Oh, shall I choose temptation or righteousness? Which one should I choose? It's not like that. When you get to these two roads, there is something incredibly powerful about this road. Temptation has a powerful pull on us. We have to understand that. We have to understand the battle that we're in. That's why Jesus says, deliver us from the evil one, because there is one who whispers to us, come. The tempter, the evil one, or the one who back in Matthew chapter 4 is called the devil, is one who would seek to say to us, come the way of temptation. It isn't neutral. It isn't that there's nothing going on. There's a battle, and the battle is that there's one who wants us to go this way. So let me just show you some verses from Proverbs that I want us to um, just consider as we look at this. Look at these words from Proverbs. This describes what the devil or sin or um, folly, as she's called in, in, um, in Proverbs, how she works. Have a look at this. With what persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. That is very graphic. It describes someone, a man, getting to this point in the road, and then there's this voice saying, come this way, with seductive words. She seduces him. I can satisfy you. I can give you everything you want. I can give you pleasure and joy. I give it all to you. There's a power that pulls us this way. But what does it hide? What are you not allowed to see? What will the devil never ever let you see as you go down this road? He'll never let you see what's at the end of it. See, this is the way temptation works. It will tell you, here is something that will satisfy you now. Here is something that will give you what you want now. But it will never let you see what's at the end. Because at the end, it will cost him his life. He's making this choice and he thinks he's getting what he wants. He thinks he's having something that will satisfy. He thinks he's taking something that will be sweet, little knowing it will cost him his life. 
A couple of months ago, I accidentally videoed one of the most terrifying bits of video I've ever filmed in my life. Do you want to know about it? <laughs> I was, um, we had a little mouse in our flat. Sorry, don't worry, it's, 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 it's all right. Don't panic. We had a little mouse in our flat, and it ran around, and it was lovely. You know, we loved it and cared for it, and then decided we'd kill it. So, um, <laughs> now, for some reason, I don't quite know why we did this. It was slightly weird, but we, um, we got a mouse trap and put it underneath um, the kitchen cupboard, and then for some reason, at the same time, we thought that we would use um, a video camera trap to see, if the mouse, to see if the mouse was there. And with the house, hole it was, this is Ruben's video camera trap, which catches animals. You know, you put it out, and it, when it moves, it doesn't catch them, no, it catches the film. So when, it, when an animal moves, it switches on, you see it. It's all very it's cool, right? You've seen all sorts of animals in the wild. Don't know why we thought it'd be a good idea to put it underneath the thing. Anyway, we put this trap there, the camera trap, which doesn't catch the animals, it's just a video. And, and we set it all up, and we went to bed to sleep. The next morning, we've got the... This is exciting, isn't it? <laughs> the next morning, we got the uh, camera trap and we took the card out, we put it in the computer, and we videoed something. Something had set it off. And sure enough, a little mouse. We could see it. It's, kind of, uh, it's got night vision stuff. It's all very cool and black and white. We saw this little mouse run. And it went right up to the trap. And then it climbed up onto the trap to get the, to get the food. And like, I was just, you know that moment of kind of, I think I might accidentally have videoed like something so unbelievably horrific. So I'm just sitting, I, I, like, I can't watch, but I can't not watch. I don't know what to do. I don't know what. Anyway, it ate the food. It got off the trap and it scurried off. <laughs> At which point I was like, I'm quite relieved, actually. But that trap is rubbish. <laughs> but do you know what? The, like the mouse, no. But this says that when we walk down the road of temptation, we're like that mouse. We are putting our heads into a trap. We're stepping into a noose. We are putting ourselves in massive danger. The mouse didn't know. The mouse was none the wiser. Ah, oh, cheese. Ah, oh, yum. Off it goes. Happy days. Doesn't think anything of it. And we need to wake up and see the danger, that there is a danger, that there is a way that we can live that will lead to death. A way that can lead us away from true life, a way that will not satisfy us, that will offer us loads of stuff. Have some cheese. Have some cheese. That's, and we've got to wake up and see that. Jesus, as he looked at his disciples, his precious disciples, he knew the danger they were in. We've got to wake up. And compared to that which leads to death, here is the road of righteousness. And this road leads to life. 
This road leads to beauty. Remember, Phil started the service with God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Everything on this road is light. The things God says are good and they're light and they're beautiful and they're satisfying. But here's the deal. This way is harder. This is easy. This promise is satisfaction now. This is hard. Because sometimes we will have to say no to our desires and say yes to what God says. And we find that incredibly hard to do. And we become convinced that actually joy leads down, is found on this path. And so we find ourselves saying, I know it's wrong, but I just can't resist this. And it will be okay. I'm strong enough to cope with this. I can handle this. And you're putting your foot in a noose. You're stepping down a road of temptation. You're stepping down the road that Jesus never stepped. Once you step past this point, you are sinning. And you're stepping on a road that leads to death. To God's right punishment when we choose to go away from him. Jesus loves you far too much to let you do that. So he says, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you the weapon that you need. You pray this prayer. Lead us not into temptation. You see, the tempter, the devil, the liar, he wants us to believe that light is here and dark is here. He wants us to believe that God will spoil your fun. He wants us to believe that God will leave you unsatisfied. You're going to say no to that desire. You're going to live such a miserable life. It's a lie. You're stepping down the road that leads to death. Joy and righteousness is found in walking the path of righteousness. And we need to see that there is an evil one who is out to set traps. He is a tempter. He does set mouse traps. He doesn't love you. He doesn't want to do anything good for you. He doesn't want to give you stuff because he loves you. He wants to give you stuff so that you will be ensnared and so that you'll set foot down the road of temptation. So we've got to wake up. There is danger. But let's look at the second thing. You need to wake up and know your weakness. You see the danger, you see the tempter, you see the horror of going that way, but you need to see your own weakness. You see, here's the problem. We think that we can cope on our own. And so we think when we get to this point, we have all sorts of good intentions, but good intentions are not enough. Good intentions will not keep you from the path of temptation. And most of us have had that moment, haven't we? Where we've sat in church and gone, that's it, Jesus. I'm living for you forever and ever and ever. I'm never, ever going to sin again. Do you mean it in that moment? Yeah, you do. Right? You see, Peter... Oh, I've fallen off the thing. Peter, right? I'm getting so excited. Peter. It's a good job it's only little. Peter, just before he slept in the garden, Jesus had said something to him. Jesus looked him in the eye and said, Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, said, Peter, you're going to disown me three times. What did did Peter say? No, I won't. 
And Jesus said to him, yes, you will. And Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Do you think Peter meant it? Yeah. Do you think Peter in that moment was willing to die for Jesus? Absolutely. His intentions were good. His spirit was willing. He was ready. But good intentions are not enough. His flesh was too weak. He could not do it. And so three times he slept in the garden. And three times a little girl said to him, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And he said, I don't know Jesus. Good intentions are not enough. And I get it, loads of us here, we have good intentions, but you found this, haven't you? It's not enough. And neither is willpower. Willpower is not enough. Simply saying, I can do this, I can do this, I can get someone. Let me ask you, do you think willpower can change some stuff? Yeah. Willpower is powerful, right? And loads of people in London say, I don't want to live that way, so I'm going to stop. I don't want to live an unhealthy life anymore, so I'm going to resist it, that temptation. And you see, their response to temptation is willpower. But here's the problem with willpower. Willpower gets you to hear, then you stop. And it might just be that you have strong enough willpower to stand here and to not walk down this road. But you will spend your whole life looking down this road, thinking, I wish I could go that way. And you will either, one of two things will happen to you, either you will not give in, at which point you will become insufferably proud and smug and find yourself just going down another road called pride. Or, more likely, when you are most tired and most hungry and most vulnerable and most alone, you'll crack. It's just how it works. It's how temptation works. And you know this. We've all experienced this, right? And we've all woken up on the 1st of January and said, that's it. This is the year. I'm never, ever going to do that sin again. And sometimes you can get almost to February, right? You really can. Willpower will almost get you to February. It might even get you further, but it won't get you to walk down the road of righteousness. It won't get you to walk down the road joyfully saying, yes, Father, I want to go your way. And so I I hope this is going to be a relief to you. You cannot choose to walk the way of righteousness. You can't do it. You need to know your own weakness. When you get to this fork in the road, you cannot live the rest of your life just choosing righteousness. Oh, that's great. It's now slightly depressing. Well, let me bring you to the third point. And the third point is, wake up and pray. Why do you think Jesus taught us to pray? 
so that we could walk the road of righteousness. Prayer is the key weapon that we need in fighting temptation. It's not one thing, it's the key thing. We think that saying no to sin, we want to make it all about ourselves and about our will. It's not. It's about prayer. It's about coming with an empty tank. It's about coming with empty hands saying, I give up. I cannot do this. Father, please lead me not into temptation. And what you have in verse 13 is the key to how Jesus won the battle. I think this is extraordinary. Jesus fought the battle by praying. You see, we tend to think, for Jesus it was easy, right? Jesus got to temptation and he did the sort of, oh look, temptation, shall I go sin's way or shall I go God's way? Oh, let's go God's way. You know when someone who's really, really strong kind of does that thing with kids? And there's like a tiny little thing on the floor. And they go, oh, it's really heavy. Oh, it's really, really, really heavy. And the kids laugh. And, ha, ha. and, then, and we sort of think Jesus does that. Oh, it's really, really hard. She's like, no, I'll just go this way. And we sort of think, well, he's God, isn't he? I mean, surely that's an advantage. Surely that's going to help him in this whole battle. Can't he just call on his godness? I don't believe Jesus ever called on his godness in order to fight sin. Jesus fought sin as a man. Jesus fought sin as the perfect human. When Jesus encountered sin, when Jesus faced temptation, when he got to the fork in the road, he chose that way because he prayed. Because he depended on his father. What had Jesus been doing for 40 days before the devil came to tempt him? He'd been fasting and praying in the desert. So when the battle comes, he's ready. He won by prayer. That's how he won the battle. What was Jesus doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? Praying. How did Jesus win the battle? By praying. And because he prayed, he was given the strength to walk the road of righteousness. Lead me not into righteous, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one, Father. Let me walk your way. This is how Jesus won. And Jesus won this battle for you. Jesus fought this battle because you can't. Jesus won this battle because we fail. And Jesus walked this road of righteousness. And he went to a cross. And he went to a cross because we, over and over again, walk this way. We step this way. And we deserve the death that lies at the end of the road. But Jesus said, I'll take the death so that you can have my life. This is why before you pray, lead me not into temptation, you pray, Forgive us our sins. Jesus forgives you. He forgives you and he forgives you and he forgives you. And then he says, now let's fight again. Let's go again. We have to learn to pray this prayer. 
Lead me not into temptation. So let me ask you, right? Let's try and get practical. I, I want you to think, and I want you to try and identify what are the forks in the road. In some ways, there's tons of forks, right? Every day, you get to little, lots of little mini forks. Oh, mini fork, mini fork. God's way, my way, God's way, my way. But for most of us, there are some things which are massive things in our lives which have the power to destroy us and take us away to death, away from Jesus. I wonder if you know what the main thing that is most likely to take you away from Jesus is. If you're a Christian here this afternoon, what is the thing that is most likely to make you walk away? Do you even, do you know? Are we self-aware enough to be aware of where our battles lie, where our struggles lie? It might be in the area of sex, it might be in the area of power, it might be in the area of money, it might be in the area of contentment, it might be in the area of pleasure, it might be in the area of all sorts of things. But we get to crossroads, and when we get to those crossroads, we, we need to learn to pray. Not that way, Father. Not that way. Now, the reality is that some of us are already going down this road, right? And it is no good, if I can put this gently, it's no good to be lying in bed with your girlfriend and pray, Father, please lead me not into temptation. The crossroads was a little way back. It's a little bit further back down the road. But you know, God is so gracious that even in those moments, even there, he can give you grace. And we need to learn to pray this so that we will run. And so that we will look at this and we will see the devil's lies and we'll say, I know, I know it looks attractive and I know it promises to satisfy me, but it's not true. It leads to death. It's a snare and a trap. Father, your way is good and I'm going to choose even though it hurts me and even though it's through tears and even though I have to lose things that I love, I'm going to choose to go your way because I want life and I want you. Jesus walked that way. And Jesus stands on this road and he says, I love you, come my way. I will give you strength. So how are you going to pray this this week? Practically, how are you going to pray it? Here's my ideas. If if shopping is a big thing for you, right? When you go shopping, as you set out to go shopping, you say, leave me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Help me to shop righteously this afternoon. If anger is a big thing, frustration with your housemates, perhaps that's a real issue for you. As you put the key in the door, open the door, Father, leave me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. If you find yourself beginning to be attracted to someone else in your workplace who is, perhaps you're married and you're attracted to someone who isn't, and you begin to have coffee with them and you see them a little bit, you've got to run. You've got to flee. You've got to pray, Father, please, not that way. I know it feels so attractive and it feels so right. It's not right. Not that way. 
This is the prayer that we've got to pray. This is how you fight sin. And I want to plead with you as, as your pastor, I want to plead with you for the love of God, for the love of Jesus, for the love of your church family. Pray this prayer. Lead me not into temptation. You know, I've been praying that there'll be some people even this afternoon who'd be sitting here this, and saying, I, I'm going down this road. And even this afternoon, Jesus, because he loves you, would say to you, don't go that way. Don't go that way. It leads to death. So we're going to pray. And I want to encourage you. I, I, I hope this encourages you that you don't have to do it on your own. And on those days when you fail, you say, well, I've prayed and I've failed. What do I do? You pray again. And you just keep going. Keep fighting. And you will win. You will win. And one day you'll be free. And if you're sitting here this afternoon and you're not a Christian, it's so good you're here. And this may all sound very weird to you. But these two roads are real. You can live your life for yourself and it ends in death. Or you can live your life for Jesus and it ends in life. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Let, let, let's, let's take a moment to pray. We're going um, to pray, we're going to sing, we're going to celebrate communion together. But let's be real with God. Let's be real about the battles we face. And let's pray that he'd give us strength to fight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that you have given us the weapon that we need and the weapon that we need is prayer. Father, we ask that you would teach us to pray this prayer. Lead, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.